Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 237. You got Chris and Brian, and we are going to talk about a recent pistol-focused training event we did. Um, did a bunch of kind of 90-degree turns, um, stuff like that. Did some MXAD drill and variations on that. And then did some little bit of movement. Um, not quite scenario, but more just kind of mechanics yeah. of like with movement and footwork and things. Yeah, getting so. somewhere and seeing things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we go through this, there's a few things that popped up, but like reverting to reverting to old habits and things of that nature or reverting to just odd movement patterns and things of that nature that we're going to talk about um, that, that popped up from this. And it, it's always interesting when you do something different, how you see things kind of not like fall apart so much, but see people just do odd things that are inefficient or curious or whatever. And you're always kind of like, well, wow, where'd that come from? Yeah. Kind of thing. And so there were a few of those things that popped up with this. Um, guys, th this, this training event um, takes place mostly low light. Um, we, when we started, it was almost dark. It was going into dusk. Uh, and so, and then we finished up in the dark, but we had a half moon, no cloud cover, crystal clear night. Um, so we actually had pretty good ambient light. Yeah. Considering there was no, you know, considering it was after dark, so to speak. Um, which I think also led to some interesting options. People choosing, you know, at some points to maybe not run a light or do things a little bit differently. Um, so as we get into this, there's going to be a lot of conversations, but I think there's some real fundamental things that don't have anything to do with shooting, but just have to do with how you move and then how you run a light and stuff like that too. Um, if if you are if you are a concealed carry guy, whether permit holder or permitless, whatever, don't care, constitutional, whatever, um, and you're carrying a light on your gun, um, if you have not taken the time to go down in your basement or or wait till it's dark in your own home unload the gun, put the ammo in a different room, dry fire, practice drawing the gun, manipulating the light, getting the light on. Let's just talk about yeah. that period. Um, we did some similar stuff a couple weeks ago. And by similar, I just mean draw and shoot, that kind of thing. And I was on the struggle bus. I was chasing, I was probably north of two seconds or right around two seconds consistently. And the only dry fire training that I did was drawing fire one, trying to engage the light. And I only did that a couple of times. I, I've been, this, my life's been a little crazy um, here the last couple of weeks. And so I did manage to find a couple like five minute sessions of just, and and even just, I didn't even chase the timer. I literally didn't even set the timer app on my phone. It was just kind of working, clearing the garment, working good master hand grip, working a good pull to the pectoral index and then punching the gun out and trying to get to the trigger on extension but somehow get the light activated in that process. Um, so I know this isn't anything to brag about, but it's an improvement going from two, 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 two 2.2, two seconds, somewhere in that range. Two, 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 two. I don't know how many times I can say two in yeah. a row there. Uh, but going from two second-ish, maybe a little, maybe even a little two slower. Two quarter. Yeah, maybe yeah, even a little slower. Quarter. Yeah, um, down to, I think, pretty consistently one eight. Um, with just a little bit of dry fire, just a little bit of practice. Um, I'm generally one six ish, one five ish, and if I'm going fast, maybe one four from concealment without a light. Um, I don't know why the light's jacking me up, and it's kind of annoying because it really shouldn't change much. Does it really take much to flick your finger forward and hit the light while you're drawing the gun? 
It shouldn't. And so it is, I think that's one of those things that I can clearly say to myself, it's a lack of reps. It's a lack of putting the time and effort into it. So did a little bit of that, managed to pick up a little bit of the pace. Uh, I think that also helped with trying to get the shot at extension too, because it yeah. delays where you're at a little bit too, as you're coming out mentally. So anyway, so that, that's the only thing I really spent any dry fire time on and, and there, it definitely helped. So let's kind of get into what we did. Um, what do we start off with? Yeah, start so it shoot. started off actually just, just draw and at shoot. 10 yards, draw and shoot one, yeah. um, put the round in the upper raise zone at the target, yep. do it for a full magazine. Yeah. Um, we kind of plan all the stuff around, um, like Glock 17 mags, so 17 rounds in the gun. Um, yeah, 15, 17, Yeah, 15, 17. Yeah. But the idea of just getting a bunch of really basic reps um, to kind of get everybody warmed up mentally. Do you mean um, fundamentals? Yeah, were we they matter. Our, we were working on our fundamentals. We were working on we our were fundamentals. Huh. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because, like, when I watched – some of the like highest speed dudes in the world who are now out there doing training. It's funny how much they how much time they spend working on something as simple as an up drill, you know, yep. up and one, up and one, drawing one, drawing one. Um, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Not sexy, um, but it gives you it, it tells you the tale. If yeah. you, if your time's not there and the hit's not there, and we did this kind of on our own recognizance, and I was trying to drive the gun smooth not necessarily fast um and and then paul and i were kind of started chasing each other a little bit like you know and, and driving yeah. that and it was cool to see for both of us um seeing our hits where they should be in general and and getting a little bit faster a little bit faster but trying to maintain that hit and um we went from that to turning 90 degrees and doing that yeah yeah just a little change, just a little bit of footwork, just a little bit of footwork. Man, did things fall off the rails. Well, not necessarily fall off the rails, just not as clean. Just not yeah. as clean. I mean, I went, you know, my first group was, matter of fact, my first three shots were, my first three shots from the draw, just stroking it, not going slow, coming fast, up fast, but then just trying to get a good press, just slowing down mm -hmm. right at the end and get a good press. Um, not even slowing down, just confirming things. Um, I, I put the first three or four rounds touching in the tape. So the reps are there when you try and speed it up is where things get a little bit looser, but still in that upper A zone. Turning is where all of a sudden I'm like on the stitch. I'm like on the seam of the A zone for a, for a few, not all of them by any stretch. And maybe I think I had one out high or whatever. But if you watch it, you watch in general, add in the slightest little complication, the yeah. slightest, which means that running the gun's not happening in the background. Yeah, it's not exactly. Happening. It's not yeah. happening in the background. Is that right? That fundamental, that fundamental yeah. draw, extend, touch, shoot, etc., is not happening in the background. Um, and so we saw that I think with everybody, but definitely better than what we have been seeing. I think generally everybody was in the upper A zone. The guys trying to go really fast were pushing stuff high because they were trying to cheat the top end of the A zone, and ended up pushing stuff into that that like high thoracic and into the and even yeah. some headshots, um, trying to go fast. And it was, you know, and, and we talk about this and when, when, and some, and it was called out, you know, guys are like, well, I don't want to, well, that hit's going to change his behavior. Horseshit. You're shooting the upper A zone, shoot the upper A zone. It's a freaking miss. I don't care if it's on the target in a place you wouldn't want to get shot. I don't want to get shot anywhere. And I would opine that getting shot in the nuts might change your behavior a little quicker than getting shot in the upper chest. Yeah. And it's still a gross miss that may or may not take somebody out of the fight. 
So, you know, it's that get trying to push that mentality of this is the target zone. Take out of the idea that this is a humanoid target. Hit the damn target. It's a five by five. Yeah, I think one of the other big things and the reasons we're pushing, you know, hitting that smaller designated target zone. Yeah. Um, is in a real fight, you may not have a wide open target. You're probably True. not going to have a wide open True target. True statement. Yeah. You know, if we're looking for the, like, seeing a shoulder or a hand or half of a head and that's all that's exposed. Yeah. Then we've got to be able to put the round into that target. Into zone. that target. And, and that's part of what we've done here recently, too, with some of the occluded targets, some of the hardcover targets, some of the hostage targets and stuff like that. Um, but when you give it, when it's wide open and all you're doing is drawing and firing one, without the timer constraint, without a competitive constraint, without any of that stuff, and you're not doing it, 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 it then you're defeating the drill. You're not serving yourself. You yeah. just, at that point, we're back to masturbating with ammo. So, you know, I'd say that if you're, be honest with yourself about what you're trying to accomplish with the drill that you've chosen to do, what's the goal of the drill? Why is, what you know, why are you doing it? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get better at? And the reality check is, you know, we had some guys who were all around close to the target, um, and I would rather see a looser group close to the target because you're pushing things, but you're, it's consistent versus you're consistently high, meaning you're trying to cheat things. Yeah. Right. I mean that that's yep. there. You know, there's there's a there's a different mentality there. So um, we did that. Turn left and shoot. Turn right and shoot. Yeah. Again, mag each. So by the time we got started, we had in, you know, 45, 50 rounds of just a simple up drill with maybe one step of footwork. Yeah. Um, let's talk about footwork. Yeah. So the, you know, if you were to stand and if you're able to stand while you're listening to this, yeah. you know, orient yourself 90 degrees from where you need to go and then turn to square it up at what you need to do. Yeah. Um, this is a one step yeah. and pivot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it should be, the whole movement piece should be over in a quarter second. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're doing this with the, you're withdrawing the gun, uh, you know, as soon as the timer goes off, your head should be snapping towards the target. Yeah. Uh, which will, like, the vision drives everything. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to yes. move a hip, either forward or backward, that we're going to pivot on. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time that foot's settled, the garment should be cleared and the draw stroke should be happening. Yeah. Like, there's really no. Yeah. Slow down or excuse to have bad, <laughs> a bad shooting stance once the pivot is completed. Yeah, and and I'll say I'm going to give it a half to three quarters of a second. I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say a quarter seconds really fast for a movement. I'll say a half to three quarters of a second. But you should be drawing the gun, clearing the garment, getting your master hand grip on the gun, and getting the gun from the holster as you turn, and and then you know coming up and extending as that foot hits the ground. I, I, this it, it, I'm going to say that if it's going to slow your draw down, it slows it down a quarter second. Not any more than that. Yeah. Not any more than that. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll say half second, just if you move slow. But we had some odd movement patterns. We had some guys who, like, I, I, like if someone told you to turn to your left, they wouldn't have done. If someone had said, hey, turn to your left and look 90 degrees to your left. They wouldn't have done what they did. We had what, 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 what do we end up with? The reverse weaver. It's the reverse weaver. Is that weaver the stance. reverse weaver? Yeah. So imagine, imagine walking, but instead of your arm, your right arm, swinging with your left leg and creating that counterbalance. Imagine walking, swinging your right arm 
with your right leg and your left arm with your left leg um, and how awkward that is. That was almost what this movement looked like. It was like, it was like a Monty Python skit. I mean, it, I don't even know how to describe it. And then it became a little bit of a joke, right? But it was a, it was a consistent pattern where one of our guys was all of a sudden moving and like overswinging. And this was turning more to the right was yeah. moving, uh, turning, you know, to, or, I'm sorry, turning to your left to address the target facing to the right of the target, yeah. turning to your left to address the target. Um, and, and, and one of our guys was like just way over swinging, way leaning into it. And it was creating this like, uh, I don't know, like it's 1970s, like a- maybe 1980s, really exaggerated one foot in front of the other, ex- you know, leaning into the gun kind of stance that's, that was just, it was odd. But the point being, yeah. it, it's just a weird <laughs> movement. And, I, and I'll, I'll do a flashback um to jaeger when he was around and and talking about movement in a class and talking about just walking toward the target and firing the gun and immediately everybody there who was law enforcement or military immediately drops into some exaggerated groucho slash duck walk um slash heel toe slash something they weren't athletic enough to do anyway much less try and shoot a gun while they're doing it and he's like and he literally is like stop stop You've been walking your entire life. Just walk and press the damn trigger. If you want to bend your knees a little bit, that's fine. But it's like y'all forgot how to walk. That was this. It was like we, it's just like there are a couple couple of us, me included, that were just doing some things like, what did, did somebody re Did I have a lobotomy at somewhere between those two drills turning in the foot placement was weird. Yeah. I don't know why. It doesn't have to be a, you're getting ready to steal second base and you're pivoting it, it's literally you just moving a foot forward or moving a foot back and so do that instead of getting weird with it this is where the martial arts guys have an advantage yeah because because a lot of what you do in martial arts is moving your feet there's a lot of things you do as warm-ups that are moving your feet that are literally avoiding something coming inbound like a punch a kick or whatever and having that practice moving your feet and it, but it's just kind of, it was just something to point out that was odd and awkward for whatever reason. And I don't know that we'd seen as much of that before. Yeah. 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 Weird. Weird. Yeah. Might have been because it was dark or getting dark or wasn't even dark yet. At yeah. That yeah. Anyway. This is, I would say, too, one of those things where if you're running appendix, you know, there's a big advantage. Sure. Um, and being able to manipulate the gun, clear the cover garment, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm while your feet are moving yeah um trying to do strong side concealed carry yeah um with this definitely complicates things a little bit yeah um still not an excuse for a reverse weaver stance no no but it was definitely going to go into that four o'clock carry going to that you know just behind the hip carry um is, is a big movement and then trying to compound that with some footwork and stuff like that definitely there's some awkwardness there uh the other thing that you also lose is is literally having if you think about moving you watch somebody walk on a tightrope they stick their arms out right or walking a, a balance beam they stick their arms out to the sides to balance themselves mm-hmm. so you think about turning if i'm turning i'm bringing my elbows up clearing the garment my elbows are going out laterally it gives me a little bit of ability to kind of play with that balance point like walking on a tightrope or a balance beam yeah when you start trying to get your weak hand way over to rip a garment up to clear or to swing whatever you got to swing or to throw the garment and then grab the gun with one hand all those things slow you down, um, and, and I get that there's 
there's either a psychological aspect of not wanting to carry appendix because uh, you're worried about shooting your Johnson off. Um, you know, okay, cool, whatever, that's fine, deal with it, but understand the consequence or the penalty. Um, but I, I, I do think that's a thing. There's also the thing of if you professionally you carry strong side every day, you put on a gun belt and a badge every day, and the gun's on the right side, strong side, and you want to stay there. Okay, that's cool too. Um, it, it doesn't conceal as well. It's a bigger movement. It's a little bit slower. Uh, there's some awkwardness to it, especially when you start getting into more clothing than just a t-shirt or a hoodie. Um, yeah. And the idea that you're going to walk around, you know, I remember back in the day, uh, Hawaiian shirts, the cops sewing, you know, guys doing undercover shit, wanting to be Magnum PI wearing their Hawaiian shirt and literally sewing like two or three quarters or a lead weight into the hem on the front of a shirt and then wearing it unbuttoned because you were going to throw the gun to the side and blah, 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 blah. And also the, we're civilians. If the wind blows, your gun gets exposed. You're no longer, now it's open carry, but it was concealed carry. What are you trying to hide? Now someone, now Karen's calling the police Yeah. and you have a conversation. So if you do are honest about it and you keep your stuff buttoned up, zipped up, whatever, it's a lot harder to get to the gun. And one of the few people I see that's actually good at that is Jerry. Um, Mac J does a big riff on it, getting the yeah. stuff. Um, and in all fairness, he's a very athletic dude. He's a big dude, but he moves like a freaking cat. He does that consistently because he just grabs that garment and just rips it up and goes. Yep. But I see everyone else going strong side, struggling with struggling with concealment garments because they don't have the reps in. Yeah. And he does. So just something to kick around. Just something to kick around. That was a lot for a turn and shoot drill. Yeah. Yeah. That was a yeah. lot for a turn and shoot drill. So, um, by the way. I was kind of ballparking some of the times. Mm. There were a couple of you guys that were consistently one and a half, like one five, one four, maybe even. And then there were consistently a bunch of us that were two seconds. That's yeah. a big gap. It's a big gap. So, yeah. Yeah. I do. And I, I do think reps and athleticism. Yeah. Doing the, like making the actual pivot aggressively. Yes. Is crucial to, you know, just doing this kind of from kind of a thing from a mechanics drill. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing, you know, an L press drill as a classifier or for time or whatnot. Yeah. Like that initial turn, yeah. like doing that with alacrity. Yeah. Um, is absolutely critical to the overall result. Yes. Like well, you can't just like running yeah. from place to place in the middle of a USPSA match, running from one point to the other and getting into position and coming in with the gun up. It's all the same kind of stuff. It's efficiency in movement. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can be practiced. It's something that can be practiced in dry fire too. Um, and I think it's something you can put a timer to, even though you're not making a bang when you set your foot down. I think you can, you know, you can look at where the where the shot is still clicking and see whether or not you're improving. It's just, you know, add that to your timer and then work yeah. backward from there and go on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From this, we went into shooting the MXAD drill. Yes. So if you're not familiar with MXAD, um, this is two targets placed horizontally, basically side by side. Yeah. Um, the closer of the two targets is seven yards from the shooter. Mm -hmm. The farther of the two targets is 12 yards from the shooter. Um, we shoot six rounds at the first target, two rounds at the second target to do it the conventional way. Yeah. Uh, then we did some different variations from there to kind of work more target to target transitions. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this was this was fully in the dark, so you didn't need to run your light. I think there was one guy that didn't run the light and kind of yeah. used the force. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, and I would also say it showed. Yeah, it showed. Um, a little faster, not having to flip the light on, but when the shots were all over the target, kind of thing. Um, and so you know, the, this is a great put a lot of things together drill because you do have the visual aspect of engaging the first target and then visually transitioning to the second target. You also have the trying to decide what trigger press you need to utilize, what level of confirmation you need to utilize, because one's up close and fast, the other's further away and more precise. And then lastly, you're going through eight rounds, so it's gonna test your grip. If you don't yeah. have a good grip on the gun, you'll know it um, and go from there visually. And and I think in general, the only thing that trips some people up, what we had, we had a number of art school alums Basically, we had a lot of guys who like tripped over a trigger pull at some point and got like, you know, the cadence was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or, you know, with the cadence was like one, two, three, four, five, six, and weird stuff yeah. like that. Um, weird stuff like that. So, so the idea that people were tripping over the trigger, I think, is definitely a function of not doing that multi, putting the rubber band or the zip tie or whatever in your, in your chamber, in your gun, yeah. and, and running that like that not trigger control at speed so much, but just that, just repeated tap, 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 tap on the trigger and doing your thing. Um, curiously enough, the accuracy on this was generally okay with the exception of like one or two rounds. Like everybody was like right there and then dumping one or two that were those close misses. Um, and on that first target, everybody tries to go too fast and that's where it's loose. And then almost everybody transitions to the second target and puts them where they're supposed to because they take a beat um, to figure things out. The accuracy wasn't what I wanted to see because there were definitely some drop yeah. shots. And there were a couple guys who had to like rein their shit in because they were just trying to go way faster than their eyes would let them. Um, but it was just odd how many people tripped over the trigger doing this too. Because usually to be like one guy or two guys will have an issue where they're like, ah, and they stutter. Or in, yeah. often because because they didn't count or they can't count. Uh, looking at you, art school. Because um, they can't count, but we had a couple guys who had honorary degrees from art school on Monday night who were just fighting with counts or fighting with tripping over the trigger. I think I might have been one of them. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I was one of them. So. Yeah, this drill definitely like the light made it a little bit more complicated. Sure. Uh, especially in reestablishing a very good grip after actuating the light. Yeah. Uh, I think that showed on the far target. Yes. Uh, maybe even on the close target too. I think um, more on the close target because everybody's trying to go fast. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, like, there, were, there I had, were a lot of C's for the close target on yes. most runs. Yes. Um, and this is a drill where, like, honestly, five out of the six rounds need to be in the A zone. Yeah. And then one of them maybe within an inch of the A. Yeah. Um, or dropped into, like, the lower part of the A zone. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys reverted to aiming at the center of the A zone instead of aiming at the, the top half of the mm -hmm. A zone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then overall, it was, like, this is, I think, where the draw, you know, having a slower draw, then a really slow draw when you add in the light, yeah. um, starts to take its, take its toll. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a drill that, from concealment in the daylight, like, a solid B-class time is, like, between 2.5 and 2.6. Yeah, absolutely like repeatable yeah, absolutely like b-class shooter yeah. yeah um yeah if you're a b-class uspsa shooter you should be able to be between two five and two six yeah with 
like kind of on demand. Yeah. Um, if you're an M class shooter, you're probably chasing two and a quarter. Yeah. Um, GMs <laughs> are going to be right around two seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're running non-concealment, then those are definitely achievable um, for those skill levels. If you're running from concealment from appendix, like they're still, I think they're still achievable. Well, so the I know that I the peak class times are achievable because I've done them. Absolutely, and and I mean, and I've yeah, they're for sure they are because I mean I've run this drill in two six two seven daylight no light yeah. from from concealment, um, and I had like one good run that was a like I was down at like three three for one run with the light, which I'll take that. But I had one run that was like a three seven or a three eight that I choked on the trigger. And then I had a third run that I just went full potato that I was over four seconds on. Um, and we had a lot of guys that were like two and a half seconds to the first shot. And on this drill, that's just not there. Even yeah. with the light. I mean, even with the light adding a little bit to it, it just wasn't there. My, a couple of, I mean, most of my first of those, shots were one eight. Like those runs then turned into four, four and, and a half, half five, five, yeah, five and more. a half second runs. Yeah, which for this drill should not be that fast. And we talked a lot or about. Shouldn't be that slow. Shouldn't be that slow. And shouldn't be that speed, shouldn't be at that time. Um, yeah. And we talk a lot of too about when you're doing low light stuff and so you're transitioning with the light visually, you have to get to the light to the next target, find it, then get your eyes on the target versus your eyes and then the gun follows. In this case, they're side by side. It's really not, the, the second target is in the wash of your light already, so it's not a hard chase on that. It's not a big swing on that. So I don't think that's a huge factor in this. Yeah. Normally, I would say visually transition from target to target in the dark is going to slow you down more than it would in daylight. In this case, I don't think it does. And we still just saw some really slow times. Um, and it, it was just interesting. I also think this is one of those drills that none of us, you have because of the training and stuff you've done, but I think most of us don't shoot this drill often enough. Um, that I think if you ran the drill and you just did it a few times to like, okay, I'm going to run it at this cadence, then I'm going to run it at this cadence, then I'm going to run it, and taking that like metronomic approach to try and keep it smooth, the target-to-target transition should be almost what your shot yeah. split is kind of thing. And if you did that with the metronomic training aspect and pushed into it a few times and gained some confidence on it, that I think there's no reason somebody shouldn't be able to get under three seconds with, with, yeah. a, with a light. I, don't, I mean, even with a light, I, I think almost anybody should be able to get under three seconds with a light when we start switching it up and doing more transitions it gets complicated from that perspective but i don't know it just felt like everybody was off on this drill just a little bit yeah so the other ways that we did this is we shot um three rounds to the close target one round to the far target three rounds to the close target one round to the far target yeah um just to force more transitions yeah and then we did a two rounds one round two rounds one round two rounds uh, again, just try to get you guys to work um, the target target transitions, and then also the you know how fast can I take the far shot, and then can you kind of you know put the pedal back to the ground yeah. um, for the close targets, and then have the grip at the end to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, and the guys for the most part, the guys who shot it clean, the cadences even even changing from the the six and two to the three and one three and one and then the two one two one two those cadences the guys who shot it clean um the cadences were actually it was pretty consistent because it's like they were taking their time maybe it weren't they weren't the fastest times 
but it was, you know, keeping that cadence, making the shot at the pattern they could. Um, and then, like, you and Mac J were chasing some pretty quick ones because your close shots, like on the 2-1, 2-1-2, it was pop, 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 pop. Yeah, we were definitely yeah. running predictive on the close target. Which is what which you should be. supposed to do. Which is what you should be, right? And, 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 and I had to, like, I had to, like, just go back to freaking training wheels because I was pulling shots I didn't want to pull. And so, like, the last time I ran it wasn't dramatically slower than, than my fastest run, but it was a hell of a lot cleaner because I just, I just had to freaking slow the hell down just a little bit and get those hits. And when you start looking at it, it wasn't, it wasn't the splits I don't think that was killing me. It was, it was the draw strip that was killing me, honestly. So, you know, and that's why we do those drills with those kind of round counts, um, you know, is to find those things out. I think some guys were trying, their grip wasn't there because of not doing enough doubles practice or whatever the case may be, that their grip yeah. just wasn't there and the rounds were, were moving around more than they probably should have been. And then also the, you know, not be able to drive the gun to exactly the spot you needed on yeah. the far target. Uh, I know that that kind of plagued me a little bit. I had a bunch of rounds on the right in on the right side of the target in the C zone. Uh, we were going the close target was in the left, swinging to the right for the far target. Think you're overswinging? Uh, I think I was overswinging a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. like, but this is the kind of drill that will let you see yes those kind of things. Um, and yeah, and this is a really good drill to do in dry fire. Yeah. Uh, if you have if you have a really long basement, you know, set this up with the proper with targets at the proper distances. Yeah. Uh, because the visual the depth of field changes really do make a difference in how your brain processes what is going on. Uh, if you're running the reduced size targets or the scaled dry fire targets, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've actually run this like I put the two targets side by side. Um, just the way the room set up, but I'll use like a small post-it note for the far target. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm drawing, I'm running the initial build drill on the scale target and then transitioning over to like a one by one post-it note at yeah. four, four steps or whatever. Okay. Um, to simulate the distance. Um, yeah. So there's ways to do like to make this work out in dry fire mm -hmm. uh, and then as Chris was mentioning, taking you know, if you're on a Glock, putting the piece of rubber band or fold that piece of paper or whatnot, whatnot in the ejection port so that you can still make the trigger work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if your grip is good and you're pulling the trigger straight to the rear, uh, then the sights or the dot really shouldn't move around any. Mm -hmm. um, if while you're running the gun aggressively, you find the gun moving all over the place, then there's a problem that needs to get addressed. Go back to your grip. Go um, back to your grip, and then also work on trigger control speed. speed. Yeah, those two drills. You know, and again, not super high round counts. So it's not. You're not. This is not. This is not lifting weights. You're not going to fatigue. You're not trying to hypertrophy your finger. You know, you're literally just go back and put some time in. And go from there and you will see an improvement and that was one of the drills I didn't run and I think I struggled with that a little bit I missed my trigger controlled speed over the last two weeks so um, really good drill and then adding the target transitions was a really nice progression of that specific drill for where we were um, and again I think everybody looks at the target and sees what you know you the target talks to you it gives you your feedback yeah uh, shooting yourself shooting this with steel the, the number one the near targets too close to shoot it with steel but number two, you're robbing yourself of where those hits are. 
Um, and I do think that all, a lot of these drills, it is critical to run them on paper where you're accountable. It's critical yep. to go down range and tape it every time. And I think the last, one of the last things we did kind of showed that because we did some movement stuff where we didn't tape in between guys and, and shit got sloppy. Yeah. Shit got sloppy. Distances weren't any further. Matter of fact, they were closer in some cases. And just because there was a little bit of movement thrown in, um, it guys got, I think, lazy and just wanted to go fast and, and you know, be ninjas. Yep. Yeah. Without doing ninja shit. So, yeah. Uh, so, then we switched over. to we, we hop to the next one? Sure. Cool. Um, working cover a little bit. Working, working a doorway. Working visually. What are you seeing? Clearing a structure. That kind of thing. Um, we added in basically just working, seeing a couple targets through a doorway and some techniques to, you know, to maybe find visually what you need to find and give yourself time to think. Um, and, and some of the techniques that we did are maybe geared a little more toward novices that are learning how to do this to keep them moving. And we kind of just chose, you know, you look at what we were trying, I think all of us had an opportunity to work out was how do we want to move? Do we want to stop in certain places or do we just want to be fluid and, and work the light a certain way? And then beyond that, do we want to work the light at all or just kind of the mentality, I'm pushing 500 to 1,000 lumens downrange through a doorway. Do I really need to turn it off and move and turn it off and move and turn it off? The bad guy knows where I'm at. Um, you know, kind of the point of this drill was to get everybody to keep moving, to visually find the target, engage it quickly, quickly. Yep. And keep moving, keep scanning, clear the rest of that visual space that you can see without actually going into a door, without actually physically going into the room. So you're clearing a room from the outside, essentially. Um, we spent a, a fair amount of rounds doing that, and a little bit, of, a couple conversations popped up organically about, hey, you know, do, do you really need to stop to make those shots? Um, are you using cover or concealment in this case, as it would be? Because if it's a residential structure, it's probably drywall, so it's only it's concealment, not cover. Um, which led to the light conversation, and that you start punching that light, and you're doing the slice the pie, slice the pie, slice the pie. If there's a legitimate bad guy in that room with a gun, he's just going to shoot through the freaking wall. He doesn't give a shit where the bullets go. He's got no accountability, and you're leaving yourself wide open, which is why we need to build in some pace to this and build in some some uh, urgency yeah. to getting past a doorway, especially if you think there might be a threat somewhere else uh, kind of mentality. So that's a lot of what this was. Um, it, it, again, shooting got a little bit loose here, but it, it wasn't until the last iteration of it that it that it just got kind of ugly. But I think everybody kind of caught on to that, and we did this numerous repetitions, left to right, right to left. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I don't I don't want to get too much into the details because it, it's it's all open source stuff, but it is something that I think you can practice at home, but you really need to go seek professional training and learning the why of what you're doing. Um, before you start ingraining bad habits, which is why I'm not digging real deep into the details. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's shooting. It's still shooting. Yeah. It's still it was, visual. It was a lot of trying to put the, you know, some of the 90 degree stuff we had done. Yeah. Um, some of the, you know, the build drill, or not the build drill, some of the MXAD stuff where you got, you know, a closer target or a farther target. Yeah. Um, knowing what you can do at a given distance yes. and be able to do it on demand. Yeah. And and like at first I was I don't know why, but I kind of got in this mentality of I was like moving, but like as soon as I saw something, I would slow down enough to get sights set up and then punch out from cover concealment whatever and then boom, boom. 
And as we got into it a little more, it's like, okay, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to visually get going, and if you see something, double it. Because the distance were all reasonable places where you could shoot um, predictively rather yeah. than reactively. The, you know, I mean, all those targets were close enough. It was they no were, big deal. Everything is between probably 6 and 10 yards. Yeah, yeah, easy peasy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, good opportunity to, like you said, kind of put more stuff together. Um, along with the movement, though, and the idea of clearing a room from the outside and seeing what you need to see. And then I think visually chasing targets down and then getting the gun on them quick. So that, that, I, I like that, yeah. adding that stuff to it. Um, anything weird you saw from that? We saw weird light manipulations. We saw weird stopping, like people physically stopping and stuff like that. Like, well, I mean, we, we had somebody stop in the doorway to clear a malfunction. Yeah. Um, and, and shit like that. That was just, you know, it's like, hey, um, and there was self-flagellation for that. Um, you know, that person stood back and went, oh, well, that was not a good thing to do. Um, it, and it's just that kind of stuff where you, you see where things come out and it's just the experience of doing it. It's getting in the reps of doing it and realizing when you do it wrong, self-assessing and moving on or having your buddies go, hey, what are you doing? Hey, why are you doing that? You know, let's talk about yeah. that. So there were some things that organically came out of that. And I think one of them was, why am I stopping? Specifically, if you're going to do it the way it was explained, why am I stopping versus why am I not just moving, engaging targets, and go at these distances? Right. And if you look at a standard residential room, the likelihood that you're going to be shooting in a 40 by 40 room is pretty small. If we turn that into a law enforcement officer working within a school or a large building, commercial building, something like that, then you may have those long shots where you actually need to settle and take the shot. Okay, cool. And you might actually have walls that are cover. Right. versus concealment so that changes things a little bit there too so understand that um, but it was just the reps of figuring it out and I think everybody kind of came to the conclusion visually I'm just going to turn the damn light on clear the room for what I can see and go on and and I think that worked better for most of the guys in our group just based on skill levels yeah so, yeah yeah good stuff yep uh, then we did added movement between two positions doing kind of the same thing yeah. Um, and that's where the shooting went to shit uh, because everybody was trying to go too fast. Um, and, and that was kind of, that was a little frustrating to see because we had guys, you know, doing what they were supposed to do initially, but then all of a sudden like, oh, now I get to run and I'll just start throwing rounds everywhere. And and I th I think that reigned in at, toward the end. I think everybody kind of started realizing, oh, wow, those targets look really bad. This is a little bit embarrassing. I wouldn't want to put that target on my mom's refrigerator. No. 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 Yeah, that would be that would be suboptimal. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that gets back to you know the whole like if the shooting truly does run in the background, then yeah. you can add in yeah. all the other stuff you need to do. Um, yeah. And if the shooting's not running in the background, yeah, this is where it shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're moving from one array to the other and you have to like rethink your grip as you set back up and rethink about what you're doing then it's not running in the background and so like for me um you know i felt like the movement you know was no big deal i felt like it gave me a chance because i took it was a far enough distance that i was actually running you know i was actually running both hands apart not both hands on the gun kind of thing and coming into position was able to like hey reestablish that grip get up with the gun get where it needs to be and then slow down but not stop and and work work the cover and go on yeah so I felt like I I felt like I was shooting pretty good on that. I actually went to headshots so I could see where I was going. And when I started going to the headshots, I'm like, okay, those are both in the head, which is a great upper A zone. Yeah. Um, and was making those hits no problem. So yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, anything other interesting with that? 
No, again, this is one of those things, you know, the kind of the position entry exit part of this. Yeah. Um, is definitely something that you can dry fire. Um, yeah. Doing this, now adding a light, again, something that is completely dry fireable. Mm-hmm. Um, and dry yeah. firing in your own house. Um, you know, running room to room in a hallway might not actually be a bad drill just visually to get, you already know what's in your house, but to visually see yep. what you need to see um, again and again and again and again, because it might be one of those things where when you need to see something different, you actually see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and even to the point where, you know, doing this with a Nerf gun mm-hmm. um, and having your kid's spouse opt for yeah. whatnot, yeah. or just having you know somebody set up you know, a USPSA target or a partial target mm-hmm. in different places. So you're constantly having to yeah. actually scan and figure out what's going on every time you hit the room. And you could simulate too the distances by again, going back to a full size target and then on the wall next to it, one of the little ones from, yeah. you know, from the guys at uh, Ben Stigger Pro Shop or whatever, they sell yeah. those reduced targets or half targets, half sizes from wherever, yeah. put up some of those and that can simulate different distances too, if you wanted to, even within a smaller room. So yeah, cool. Yeah, um, there was a lot going on visually, uh, and a lot of reps, a lot of good reps, and then at the end some challenges. And and like I said, I think you know, I think we all did a pretty good job of getting back to where we needed to be before we closed up for the night. But it was just interesting to see, like mentally, I think everybody kind of the wheels fell off mentally more than anything else. I don't think it was really physically. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. I yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, on that note, as we come across interesting things, we do try to get them posted up to our Facebook and our Instagram. You can follow us along on Facebook at Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters 2. On our website, CapCityOutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at SilencerShop.com. Also, on the website, you can sign up for an email newsletter that comes out once a week. Or send us an email to info at capcityoffers.com and we will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's and directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.